hey, grab a seat. And as you do, just a happy Mother's Day to your moms out there. We're grateful for all that you do, and we hope you have a great day celebrating with your family today. Uh, uh, grab a Bible. Uh, if you got one, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we'll be. If you need one, there's one under a seat somewhere nearby you. And if you don't own a Bible, leave with that one. That is our gift to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, there's something about us as humans that loves to watch an individual who's extremely gifted at something unite together with other individuals who are really gifted and collectively accomplish something that no individual could accomplish on their own. Uh, this, uh, this phenomena, this thing that draws us, captivates, captivates us, pulls us in about how a team works together to accomplish one thing is why billions and billions of dollars are spent every year to go watch athletic events. Uh, watching one world-class athlete uh, combined with other world-class athletes to accomplish uh, the uh, winning of a certain game. This is why things like Broadway shows go on bucket lists. As you watch a world-class actor or actress unite with other world-class actors and actresses to do something that while you're there, you forget that you're even at a show. Uh, this is why last Christmas... Um, um, I'm, I, I'm not a music guy. I would never say I'm a music guy, but on my bucket list has always been, has always been watching Trans-Siberian Orchestra live. Anyone else, right? Like, even if you're not a music person, you listen to that dun 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 on the radio, and you're like, I gotta go see this one day, right? And so last Christmas, Eric and I took off Banker's Life, and there it was. Like, all the voices, all the instruments combining together these world-class musicians to put on just an unbelievable show. There's something that draws us about um, uh, parts coming together to make up a whole that no part could do on its own. Now, as we think about a, a, a professional sports game, or we think about a Broadway play, or we think about a, a group like the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, I'm here today to tell us that God has orchestrated his church to work like this. Each part doing its part, united with the other parts to do something absolutely awesome on this globe. And we get to be a part of something that is more miraculous, more amazing than anything a sports team or a Broadway uh, play or uh, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra can do. Because each of us in this room, if we know Jesus Christ, are given gifts by Jesus to build up this awesome thing that God has called the church so that God's glory will radiate around the globe from it. I got one whispered amen. amen. I mean, this, but this is part of it, right? We grow so familiar over, oh yeah, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, that's the spiritual gifts chapter. Um, cool. What are we having for Mother's Day lunch? This is miraculous. No, stop. Just stop and think. The Spirit of God has directly gifted you with things to build up this thing he calls his body, the church, so that the gospel that saves sinners into an eternity of paradise with God will go around the globe and God's glory, the manifestation of his holiness, will radiate around the globe out of this church when each part does its part, uses its gifts. And we get amazed by professional sports games. 
And this is what's awesome about what we're going to walk through here today. That I'm praying that God by his spirit will remind us And for maybe some of us in the room who might be newer in our walk with Jesus would, for the first time, you would hear that God has put you on this earth for a grand purpose. When you will just exercise and use the gifts the Holy Spirit's given you to see the church build up. But why this uh, sermon has come along, we're three parts into a series we're calling Vitals, the source and sign of uh, uh, spiritual health of what it looks like to have a healthy life in Christ. Just like uh, we go to the doctors and they give us vital signs and a kind of an indicator of where we're at on physical health, we're looking in this series to go, what what does a healthy walk with Jesus look like? And in week three, we're going, we can't have a healthy walk if we're not exercising the gifts that God has given us. There's something about spiritual health uh, that happens when we understand, we identify, and then we use the gifts, the spiritual gifts God has given us to build up the body of Christ. And so I just want to give you the point of the message right, at the, right up front today. And the point of the message is this reminder today that if I'm in Christ, I've been given gifts by Christ to build up the body of Christ. And I'm asking that as we walk through this passage today that the Lord might remind us of the awesome miracle that this is. And so as we make our way through all of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today, uh, uh, today's sermon kind of has three parts to it. What we'll call the point, uh, just a reminder of what if, why do we even have spiritual gifts? What's the point of them? What we'll call the picture, uh, that Paul gives us a picture so that we'll understand how crucial it is that we use the spiritual gifts God has given us. And then we'll get to the end and very much related to where we started. We'll talk about the purpose. What does this have to do with the purpose of our lives as we function in the church? And so pray with me right now and let's ask for God to speak to us through his word. Father, I pray that as we make our way through this chapter you've given us in your word. Lord, would you uh, maybe for some of us remind us and stoke the fire again inside of us of the gifts that you have given to us and how crucial it is that we use those gifts so that your church flourishes. Lord, for some who might be hearing of this concept for the first time of spiritual gifts, Lord, would you uh, just ignite a a fire in their heart uh, to, to understand that they have been given gifts by you, to be used in the church. And then, Lord, I pray for those in the room today who have never trusted you, who don't have a relationship with you, that as they hear about the great purpose of being on this earth to bring you glory, and the way you're brought glory is when we use the gifts you've given us to point the spotlight on you, I pray it would make them want to meet you today for the first time. And so, God, as we walk through your word, will you please do something powerful in our hearts? Would you ignite our hearts? Would you uh, 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 give us a passion to obey the things we're studying, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. First uh, Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activity, activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. 
To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the, next two words, you tell me, for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so uh, right as we turn to chapter 12, I love when God's word gives us a a sentence or a line like we see in verse 1 here. He tells us flat out what he's going to be talking about. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I I do not want you to be uninformed. I want to inform you now on this topic of spiritual gifts. This is probably so specific here because um, the Corinthians had written a letter back to Paul. And they're they're like, we got some questions for you. How does this aspect work in the church? And how should we think about this as a Jesus follower? And it seems that what Paul might be doing here is just responding to a question from the Corinthians' letters to him. He says, okay, let's take some time, address the question you had about the topic of spiritual gifts. And there's a couple things as he begins this topic that he really wants to hammer home. Did you see a consistent rhythm to how he writes right here? There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of services, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but the same God. Paul is hammering home this idea that um, the the group of people that collectively make up the church are uh, are given by the Spirit a variety of gifts. We all don't possess the same gifts. And yet, each of these variety of gifts are all empowered by the one Spirit. Uh, You wonder if in Corinth at the time, they're going, okay, can you help us, Paul, sort out... um, like, what are spiritual gifts and what aren't and are just the ones that we see more, more, uh, more readily available? Are those spiritual gifts, but are the ones behind the, behind the scenes, are those not spiritual gifts? And when Paul says there are a variety of gifts but the same spirit, um, what that does is ignite a fire in all of us to go, um, whatever gift I might have, it is given to me right by the Holy Spirit, and it matters greatly. And when he gets to a, a verse like verse 7, Look at what it says again in verse 7, because this is crucial, and it'll lead into the first point. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the what? For the common good. And so let me give us kind of the, uh, the point, the first point of this, and like the point of why has God even given individual spiritual gifts? The, it's this reminder. The Spirit has given specific gifts to me, but these gifts aren't ultimately for me. Every single one of us in this room who know Jesus Christ have a spiritual gift or have spiritual gifts, and we are told to exercise and use those because the common good of the whole church is at stake based on us exercising these gifts. It's massive. 
That, and then when we, when, it look, when we look at this and, and we see something like verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. God has not made any, mis- any mistakes. He's given you the spiritual gift that he has set out to give you so that you can use it, so that the body of Christ can be built up, so that the glory of Jesus Christ will radiate around the globe. It's a pretty sweet thing that God has done. God could have orchestrated the church to function in such a way where he didn't have to gift any of us with anything. We get to be a part of the story God is writing for the spread of the gospel and the spread of his glory. And so while you may never see the field of a professional sports team and while you may never make a Broadway stage and while you may never play like the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, you have the Spirit of God inside of you. You have a gift from the Spirit of God to be used and the church has a greater impact over this globe than any other institution on the face of the earth. Sweet. Huh? And Paul reminds the people of this here. Now, I want to make a point on this because I think, you know, it, again, if you're, you've grown up in Christian world, this, the, the, the topic of spiritual gifts isn't new to you. Maybe it is new to you if you're newer to the faith. Um, but there's something, there's something we need to be reminded of today that will greatly impact maybe the urgency in which we feel internally to understand, to know what our spiritual gifts are and to use them. And what, um, what will impact the urgency in which we go about ex- seeking to exercise the gift God has given us is our view of what church is. How does this work? If, you know, in our culture, and I'm not knocking it too much, we all know what each other means when we say things like this, but if we only see church as a place we go, so like if we drive by the ro- down the road and we say things like, that's my church. Now, we all know what that means. I'm not knocking that too hard. But if our understanding of church is a place we go, um, that'll have some implications. If, we, if our understanding of church is just an event we attend. So uh, on Sunday, I go to church. If that is all we view church to be, the hour and 15 minutes, or if I'm preaching hour and 30 minutes, um, on a Sunday, that's all it is. Then, then here's what we'll do in this topic of spiritual gifts. If we only see it as a place we go or an event we attend, we'll walk in and we'll go, looks like they got it covered. Uh, got some ushers there. Got the musicians on the stage. We will treat it just like we would if we were walking into a concert at Banker's Life. Got their ushers. Got their musicians. They're good to go. But what if, and not what if, this is true, what if church isn't a place we go to and church isn't an event we attend? To say it like this, what if church isn't a place I attend, it's a people I'm part of and have a part in? When we understand that church ultimately isn't a, just a place I go or an event I attend, 
But we get the biblical understanding of what the church is, the ones called out by Jesus into a congregation in which all of us are made up of and all of us have a part in and all of us then begin to understand that if I have a part in this community, my uh, use or lack of use of my spiritual gift then has implications for the whole body. This is how we must understand what this idea of church is and that will greatly impact the urgency in which we feel to use the gifts to build up the body. Amen? So, God has given each of us who know Jesus spiritual gifts, individually. But these gifts aren't ultimately for us individually to build ourselves up and to make much of ourselves. These gifts are for the common good of this collective group of people, this awesome thing called the church. And now, as Paul goes on, He goes into a lengthy illustration. He goes into unpacking a lengthy picture so that the people in Corinth and us today understand exactly how this whole thing of spiritual gifts amongst the believers work. Uh, And the picture he uses is a picture of the human body and how the human body functions. And you're like, I totally get it, but Paul is going to make sure we get it. Look at the length he gives to this illustration here. Verse 12. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because, um, um, and if the ear should say, uh, I lost my place. Uh, And if the ear should say, because I'm not nigh, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And he's not done yet. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require." But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So what's this picture Paul gives? Here's the picture. The human body is a picture of how the church body should function. And the human body is an absolute amazing thing that God has designed, and Paul is calling attention to it. He's saying, just as a human body isn't made up of all one parts, he says, that what, if, what if all of the parts of our body were ears? He says, where would the sense of sight be? And on and on the illustration 
goes. But the interdependence of the parts of the body matter so that the whole body can function and flourish the way God has designed it to be. And now, we realize this, talking literally about our physical bodies, we realize how important each part is the moment we injure part of our body, right? How injuring a finger can change a day-to-day task that we don't even think about. Who's ever walked on a broken toe? Who's ever experienced the awesome feeling of a toothache and how that affects primarily mood, right? Like the whole body is absolutely interconnected. And if one part is suffers or if one part isn't functioning or operating like it should, the rest of the parts of the body are interconnected to it. Um, see if you recognize this guy on the screen here. Anyone recognize this guy? Show of hands if you do. I don't expect a ton. Um, 2000 Olympic wrestling champion, Rulon Gardner. Now, I know when the Summer Olympics come, you can't wait for the wrestling part of it, right? Um, <clears throat> uh, 2000 Olympics roll around. Rulon Gardner, American wrestler, makes it to the finals. Uh, but as he prepares for the finals, no one in the wrestling world thought he had any shot to win Olympic gold. He is, his opponent in the Olympic finals in 2000 was a guy by the name of Alexander Karolin, a Russian. Uh, most wrestling people call him the greatest Greco-Roman wrestler the world has ever seen. His nickname, the Russian Bear. Now, I'm, no, uh, I'm not brilliant, but if I'm going to wrestle someone, I don't want to wrestle a guy by the name of the Russian Bear. His career record going into this match was 887 wins, one loss. He hadn't lost a match in 13 years. He won the 1988 Olympic gold. He won the 1992 Olympic gold. He won the 1996 Olympic gold. Uh, Rulon Gardner uh, raised cows in Wyoming. No one thought he had a shot. And like as this match goes on, I remember I would have been, I remember this match. I would have been 13 years old. And um, as the match went on, you're like, he's in it. He's in it. He's in it. He's in it. And at the end, like, Rulon Gardner topples the giant and instantly becomes kind of an a, a Olympic legend, Olympic wrestling legend. And so I just want, like, as you look at this guy, go like, Olympic athlete here. Two years later, Rulon Gardner, after this, two years later, Rulon Gardner would be on a snowmobiling trip. He got lost, separated from the group, lost overnight. Um, uh, he was lucky to be found. When they found him the next morning, his core body temperature was 80 degrees. Um, uh, he was fortunate that all that happened was frostbite had set into his feet, and it cost him one of his middle toes. That led to an extensive hospital stay. That led to him, this Olympic legend, reorienting himself just how to walk and function now with just one little toe gone. Don't tell me that not every part of the body matters, right? And this is Paul's point here, and he's going to make this point to the church. Don't tell me not one little part doesn't matter. It matters greatly. And so are you, are you using your gift? 
Because the whole point of 1 Corinthians 12 is the church cannot function and flourish like God has created it to if there's one part not exercising their gifts. Are, are you using your gifts? Um, I'd also say this on this point here. You know, he's talking about like, oh, that, you know, the, the, the foot says I'm not a hand, so I'm not a part of the body. Like, I, I don't matter. Um, sometimes it's easy for us to look at the way that God has gifted other believers and covet after those gifts instead of being faithful with the gifts God has given us. Uh, one of the lists, I think, has the gift of hospitality listed. How many of you have ever gone over to someone's house who's just like, they clearly have the gift of hospitality? And you think about, like, man, when someone comes over here, I, like, I throw a hot dog on a plate, and I'm like, if you want chips, they're in the pantry. Get them. And, like, you look at that, and you felt like you just walked out of, like, dinner at, like, a Ritz-Carlton or something. You're like, how do they do that? I want to be more like them. And we, we longed for those other giftings. Uh, when I, in college, knew that God had called me into ministry, I thought what I was going into ministry for was primarily to be a counselor. I always thought, like, I want to counsel. My mentor through college was a counselor. He was a fantastic counselor. And I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counsel. I'm going to counsel. In fact, I told the Lord, I will go into ministry so long as I never have to preach. <laughs> and then I got into ministry, and you have to counsel in ministry. And I realized something. I'm not a very good counselor. People are always like, hey, we need some counseling and we want you to do it. And I'm like, no, you don't. They're like, no, you're our pastor. I'm like, yeah, and you don't want me to do your counseling. Trust me. Uh, at our last church, um, uh, someone called. They, they kind of had an emergency thing. And they're like, we got, I got to meet. I got to meet today. I got to process through this. So I called Erica. She ran over from the house. She met, uh, she met us there. And um, uh, this, this, this woman starts unpacking what's going on in her life. And Erica and I are there listening. And, and after I listen, like, I, I start to counsel her. And I'm telling you, like, I thought I gave just the model of what biblical counseling should look like in that moment. Uh, I got, we got done. The lady walked out. Erica looked over to me and said, what was that? And I said, babe, what you just experienced was the model of biblical counseling at its finest. Take notes. She said, no, that was awful. Like, I, if, I, if it would not have come across disrespectful, halfway through, I just wanted to tell you, stop talking. I got it from here. <laughs> it's like, I wanted to be a counselor. I wanted to do that. I, I sit, even today, I sit in the room with some just world-class counselors, and I just look, I'm like, how do you do that? But that's not me. And it's, it's so easy, isn't it, to covet after the gifts that God has given other people instead of just going, um, if, if this passage is right and the Holy Spirit and his sovereignty has apportioned the gifts as he sees fit, let's just figure out what God's given us to do and let's be faithful to do that. And if we're a hand, let's not be like, oh, I wish I was a foot. If we're a foot, let's not be like, oh, I wish I was a mouth. Because when we exercise what God, the role God has called us to, the part God has called us to play, the gifts God has called us to use, we will watch the common good of the church as a whole begin to flourish. But when we want to have some gifts so badly that we don't have, but we're like, no, I do, I promise I do, we don't really see the common good of the whole thing flourishing. That's why it's so crucial that we understand the gifts God's given us and we begin to operate within those. And so 
Um, we're given gifts for the good of the body. This picture Paul uses is just think about how the human body works and each unique function of each part and how it works together so the whole body can function. And then he gets right to the purpose statement here. Verse um, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Implied answer is. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Don't, hey, come on, don't flame out on me now. I need you. Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? No. Like Paul's repetitive emphasis here, not all of us have all the gifts. You don't have all the gifts. I don't have all the gifts. I don't have your gifts. You don't have their gifts. But collectively, when we exercise the gifts God has given us, this whole thing starts to look the way Jesus designed it to look. And it's sweet. And then he says this last statement, I wish I had more time today. In fact, I wish I had more time to go to chapter 13 and chapter 14 because all of this flows together. Homework for you. 13 and 14 this week. Deal? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. I wish we had on time, uh, time to unpack that. I think, though, as Paul comes down to the end here and he picks this theme up back at the, uh, at the beginning of chapter 14, I think he's talking about here, like, seek out those gifts that God will most use the best to corporately build up his church, that will edify his church. Seek those gifts that will build up the body of Christ. The purpose is I am part of the body of Christ and must use my gifts for the body of Christ. And now, um, with the final minutes, I want to give three very practical things, very practical things on this. But before, uh, in, no, I'll go right to them. Uh, first, um, put, that, put the point of the, hey, Dakota, if you can put on the screen the point of the sermon, that purpose statement, if I'm in Christ, If I'm in Christ, I have spiritual gifts from Christ to build up the body of Christ. I want you to notice those first uh, however many words. If I am in Christ. There's there's an implication there that spiritual gifts are for those who have spiritual life. Who have come into relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just recognize between two services, with the amount of people that we have in first and second service, there's probably statistically speaking, someone here who has never come into relationship with Jesus Christ. And you're hearing today about the fact that God gives each of us gifts and these gifts are used in this awesome thing that's not just a place we go or an event we attend called the church that God has orchestrated to see his glory spread across the world. And you're like, okay, how does all this work? It all starts by you having a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're like, what does that even mean? All of us, Bible says, have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. You are in a room full of people who've all blown it. God has lavished his love on us in such a way that he saw us in the sin and he saw us in our hopelessness and he sent his only son who came and who died on a cross, was buried and then rose again to take the penalty all of us deserve for our sin. 
And then the Bible says the way that that becomes effectual in our life or the way that that it gets applied to our life isn't through us trying to work really hard to be really good people so that we can earn Jesus' love. The way God applies that to our heart is by faith. There's a point in our life where we look and say, I am hopeless without a Savior. And at that point, you surrender your life and say, I see God has sent a Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ, and whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. If you have never believed in Jesus, before we can talk about spiritual gifts, today, if you came with someone, you look at them as soon as this service closes, you go, what in the world does it mean to believe in Jesus, and how do I believe in him right now? And if you're not here with anyone, you're not comfortable talking to that person, we'll be right up front right here at the end. You come up and say, what in the world does it mean to believe in Jesus? And how do I believe in him right now? Because it all starts there. Second, once we have life in Jesus, we're talking about using spiritual gifts. But I recognize in our room here today, many of us might be going like, I don't have the foggiest clue what my spiritual gifts even are. Like you're up there like railing, use them, use them, use them. You're like... I don't even know them. We have on our website this awesome thing called the World Wide Web, right? Thank you, Al Gore, right? Um, uh, uh, jokes. Jokes usually get me in trouble. Um, a website, harvestindysouth.org. Uh, click on menu, go to serving teams. Right when you get to that page, HarvestIndySouth.org, menu, serving teams. You're going to see a button. It's on the bottom of our screen here. It says spiritual gifts assessment. Um, click on that button. Take the test. When you're done with that test, you'll get a customized email response from the church. It will highlight for you. It'll show you a whole report. Here's where you ranked high with spiritual gifts. At the bottom of that report, it will unpack for you um, the spiritual gifts we see listed in Scripture and our definition of how we would define what those gifts are. Um, now, hear me. This isn't infallible, okay? This is just a good starting point. The best way is to take something like this and then to begin serving in the church. And you're going to start serving in areas and you're going to be like, huh, this seems like really, really hard. And this does not come naturally. And it, you know, it doesn't seem like this, things are flourishing around here. because. But then you'll get into a sweet spot. That was me in counseling, right? Then you'll start, you'll start serving those Samaritans, and you'll be like, man, this is, this is like invigorating. And it seems like there's a lot of spiritual fruit, but it doesn't feel like, like a ton of spiritual exertion. And, and, and wow, people around me seem to flourish when I, when I exercise these. So use that assessment, but then that uh, leads me to this third one. And then we just start using these gifts, Right? We reject this idea of, of, of church being just a place that I go to or an event I attend, and we see it as the body that it really is, and we go, man, I want this body to flourish. And God, is, God has just said that if I know Jesus, I have gifts to use. I want to use those. And I'll just say in closing, all of us are very familiar with, like, faith being stagnant. Or you're like, man, like, if, <laughs> if this is, like, the life Jesus offers, like, it just... Hmm, it just seems lacking. I'm convinced so often people experience a stagnant, dry faith because they've not yet experienced the exhilaration of operating in their giftedness and watching God use them to edify an entire body. So let's figure this out 
and let's start using our gifts and let's experience what God can do when each individual part joins together in the variety of gifts given by the same Spirit to see this church thrive. Not this church, the big C global church, see God's glory radiate out of it, to see the gospel spread. That's way better than anything a sport, a play, or a musical group can offer. Amen? Hey, stand to your feet, Harvest. I'm going to send us out of here today. And as I do, I'll just say this is one of those sermons, some sermons, you get to the end of, and you go, the application is I need to think differently. Okay, I need to think differently. That's a part of every sermon, but you're like, I need to understand something differently. Some sermons, it's like, got it. Now it's time to act. This is a got it. Now it's time to act. Amen? So as you go out this week, use these tools, but let's be a church that doesn't just see church as a Sunday thing, but sees church as an all-week thing, a whole body thing, and every one of us doing our thing thing so that God is glorified thing. Amen? May God bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face shine upon you this week. May he use your lives, the words you speak, the actions you live, to shine the spotlight on Jesus Christ. And every week when we tell you we love you, we really do. And every week when we tell you we send you, it's because you leave now back into the mission field of your neighborhoods and your workplaces, your family and your friends, your carriers of the best news this world ever has. Be bold for Jesus. Love you, Harvest. See you next Sunday.